Welcome to Islam for Christians. This is episode 129, Biblical Figures in Islam, part 24, New Testament, Jesus, part 3, the Word of God. As Christians, we consume Jesus, body and blood, literally for some, figuratively for others. Every Sunday, at least in the liturgical churches, those churches theologians would call traditions with a high ecclesiology, which is a fancy Greek-based name for something related to the church. Now, these churches, as part of the sacred liturgy, the weekly routine, they offer the body and blood of Jesus Christ to believing Christians, to eat and to drink. And the higher you go on the ecclesiological scale, the greater the significance of this. As far as ecclesiology goes, you really don't get higher than, say, Catholic or the Eastern Orthodox traditions. Because these traditions, they go beyond just the real presence. Both believe in the concept of transubstantiation, which means in these liturgies, the bread and the wine are, quite literally, physically, and through some unknown mystical process, turned into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And it's hard to emphasize just how significant of a thing that is. Because this act, this is as intimate as you can get. This is touching someone from the inside. This isn't looking at Jesus or crossing yourself with holy water. This is a serious physical invitation to transformation. Think of it this way. Let's say you go to Chernobyl or Fukushima, or say you were present at a nuclear test. Now, there's tons of background radiation, but for the most part, that's not really going to affect you if you're just there for a little while. The major concern is radioactive matter landing on you, sticking to you, and then somehow being ingested, say breathed in or swallowed, probably be even worse. That's when you're in real trouble. That's when the radiation will eat you from the inside out. Now, in Christianity, the Eucharist or Holy Communion, it's kind of the same concept. Only instead of the most toxic thing in the universe, you are trying to ingest the most positive, holy thing in the universe. And that level of holy intimacy is possible because Christians believe that Jesus himself was the Word of God. As John put it in his gospel, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Now, I have mentioned a few times that the Quran and Jesus, in their respective religions, 
are the word of God. They are where God meets humanity, where God touches and teaches humanity. But as with all comparisons, it's not perfect. Because what the word of God is for Christians, there simply is no equivalent in Islam. Muslims do not write Quranic verses on crackers and bless the ink and then eat them. That would be insane, because the word of God means something slightly different to Muslims than it does to Christians. There is a more existential quality to Jesus as the word of God, rather than as a collection of words as the word of God. It's something that, in many ways, it's less intellectual than it is spiritual. Something that is defined and active, but mysterious. Kind of like radiation, really. And in a similar way, Jesus' role in Islam, and particularly his role in Islamic cosmology, uh, cosmology means a view of the nature of the universe, Jesus' role in Islamic cosmology is somewhat defined, but also mysterious. And by the way, that bit of mystery is something that the two faiths share in abundance. Now, both have enough logic and historical grounding to form a coherent logical doctrine, but also just enough mystery to allow a focus on the transcendent. And that might be part of the secret sauce that has brought so much success and depth to these religions over the years. So, Jesus' role is mysterious even to the point where you could simultaneously argue, from an Islamic point of view, that Jesus both is and is not the Word of God. It just depends on how you define it. A few Muslims would define Jesus' role as John did earlier, as part of the eternal substance of God. So in that way, the Islamic Jesus is not the Word of God. But in another way, he is. Because the Quran actually does use this terminology, the word. It uses the word to talk about Jesus. And I mean that literally, using some version of the root word kalama, the Arabic term for speaking words. Now, this is only the spoken word, not reading. That's the word you see in the very first sentence in the history of the Quran, when Gabriel tells Muhammad to read or to read out loud or to recite. It's a slightly different word. That's the root uh, Q-R-A, Kafra Aleph. Q-R-A is in Quran. But that's not the word we're talking about here. This is K-L-M, Kaf Lam Mean, the spoken word. And this is how Jesus is referred to as the word of God in the Quran. And it is a special term. No other person is referred to in this way as the Word or even the Spirit of God. Jesus is called the Word of God, Kalama, three times in the Quran. Now, just so you know, here are those three times. Number one, 
Surah 3, verse 39. And the angels called to him as he stood praying in the sanctuary, Allah giveth thee glad tidings of a son whose name is John, who cometh to confirm a word from Allah, lordly, chaste, a prophet of the righteous. Next one, number two, same Surah, Surah 3, a little later, verse 45. And remember when the angels said, O Mary, lo, Allah gives you glad tidings of a word from him, whose name is the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, illustrious in the world and the hereafter, and one of those brought near unto Allah. And then the third one, Surah 4, verse 171. O people of the scripture, do not exaggerate in your religion nor utter aught concerning Allah save the truth. The Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, was only a messenger of Allah, and his word, which he conveyed unto Mary, and a spirit from him. So believe in Allah and his messengers, and say not three, cease, it is better for you. Allah is only one Allah. Far is it removed from his transcendent majesty that he should have a son. His is all that is in the heavens and all that is in the earth. And Allah is sufficient as defender. So there's the three. All, some version of KLM. So... I'm not going to expect you to remember all that, so I'll give you a short summary of the use of the words kalama there. Because um, I read the whole thing, I just want to read the key part. Well, to make sure you understand the key parts. All right, so let's go back to the first one. It says, Jesus being confirmed by John the Baptist as a word from God. Now, I should note there, it says word from God, not word of God. Now, in some translations, you will see word of God, but that's possibly just to make it sound better to English readers who may not be so nitpicky about theology, or it could go the other way, really. But I think from God is more likely, from what I see. But I could see how either work in the original Arabic, it could go, it could be word of God, word from God. You could probably use either. But... For our purposes, just think of this as Jesus as a word from God. And then the second use, again, a word from God. So the first and second are very, very similar. And then the third use, Jesus is three things. <laughs> Ironically, given the context here, but it says Jesus is three things. A messenger from God, God's word through Mary, and a spirit from God. So you see it creeping a bit closer to Christianity there. You can see it being a bit closer to John's use of word there, as in the essence of God, the spirit of God, or maybe the spirit from God. Now, what really complicates this is that the Quran is super ambiguous with this stuff. 
one way to think of it is, imagine Christianity with only the Gospels of Mark. Without the parables of Luke and the genealogy of Matthew and the Christology of John, and without the book of Acts or the early teaching of Paul and Peter and James, what Jesus was exactly, it would be up to, for debate to a much, much greater degree than it is now. It's the later Gospels, that, and also the testimony of the apostles who were there over their lifetimes, and the founding of the church that followed, and the ecumenical councils, and all of that. That's what gives us Christianity as it is today. And all of that is not something you're going to see in Islam. You just can't ask the same thing from Muslims about Jesus, the same level of detail and certainty. Now, for one thing, Muslims don't really seem to care about this nearly as much as Christians do. And their source material, if you're excluding the Gospels and the words of the Apostles and all that, it's very, very scant. There's not a ton there. Yes, Jesus was unique. He was born of a virgin. He was given a very important mission. But what was that mission? Well, I'm not sure exactly. What was he in relation to God? Well, we can't really define that either. Now, this is an ambiguity that would have been a lot more difficult, say, in the Greek intellectual tradition, which, as it turned out, was where the early church was extremely fertile. The Muslims didn't encounter this sort of thing until the Islamic Renaissance a few hundred years after Muhammad. And even then, there wasn't a whole lot of agreement once the Arabs started fusing their traditions with those of the Greeks. So this idea, this, this idea of certainty that Christians have, that just doesn't really exist in Islam, particularly toward Jesus. Um, so this remains unresolved. But what we do know in a Muslim context is that Jesus is the Kalam the Word of God, whatever that means exactly. Muslims struggle to define this the same way Christians attempt to express the Trinity. Now, perhaps it's better that it's not completely understood, a holy mystery to be intentionally complicated rather than an intellectual puzzle to be solved. The Islamic Jesus is kind of between man and God. Not like any other man, ever, but not like God either. A messenger from God, and maybe of God's spirit in some undefined way, but not entirely of God, but special and sinless, even in the Islamic context. Now here's a, a Hadith tradition that gives another hint, so to speak, at the nature of the Islamic Jesus you know, how he is being thought of. It says, now remember, Hadith, these are sayings of Muhammad. So this is Muhammad talking. When any human being is born, Satan touches him at both sides of the body with his two fingers, except for Jesus, the son of Mary, whom Satan tried to touch but failed. 
so does that mean he is the only person, Jesus, that is? Does that mean Jesus is the only person without original sin? Of course, then you run into the problem that original sin doesn't exist in Islam. So what does it mean to be touched by Satan? Just to be tempted or to be prone to evil? But again, we see Jesus as a special case. Keep in mind that Muhammad, who is claiming to have a final and perfect revelation for all mankind in the Quran, even he doesn't claim this for himself. He has been touched by Satan. But Jesus? Nope. And if you combine the common tradition that Muhammad was sinless as well, that gets even more confusing. There's just something about Jesus throughout history where the person of Jesus to those who are even tangentially related to some kind of Western tradition the person of Jesus has perplexed and fascinated so many, which is kind of amazing for someone the Romans didn't even seem to notice at the time. For 2,000 years afterward, Jesus is a figure who must be reckoned with in one way or another if you're going to be religious. What do you do with this person who, objectively speaking, was clearly one of the smartest individuals to ever walk the planet, and one of the greatest moral teachers in history, and who inspired so many. But unlike Buddha or Muhammad, he did not claim to be simply a person. In the Gospels, anyway, in the Christian claim, he didn't claim to be simply a person. This was a man who claimed to be the Son of God. Now, for Jews, this is a simple thing. You just say, he was wrong, and he certainly wasn't born of a virgin. And for the Christians, you take him at his word, and trust the disciples and their blood-soaked witness in what they say about him. Or, a different route, you can kind of split the baby, so to speak. Find the middle way the median explanation for the person of Jesus. That is, for the most part, what we see with the Islamic Jesus, religiously speaking at least. But I should note that Islam was not the first religion to do this. And when you look at what it means for Jesus to be the Word of God, the Islamic version actually echoes an earlier Christian sect called the Ebionites. Or if you don't want to be as diplomatic about it, you can call them a group of heretics called the Ebionites. Now, this was a group that emerged sometime after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And they were very, very Jewish, so to speak. Because to be an Ebionite, you basically had to convert to Judaism and then agree to some Jesus flavoring within existing Jewish practices. This means the same diet restrictions, circumcision, but with a non-divine and purely human Jesus on top of all that. So, 
you have this group of people, and they did not eat pigs. They circumcised their boys, and they regarded Jesus as a prophet. Does that sound like any other gigantic religion you may know? In Ebionite belief, now trigger warning for Protestants, this is very heavy on works righteousness, okay? Jesus followed the Mosaic law perfectly. And because of that, he was adopted as a sort of son of God, but not in the Trinitarian sense. In what sense then? Well, they kind of disappeared before they could develop and codify a lot of that. But you have that early preview of Islamic Christology, splitting the difference between the dismissal of Jesus and the complete acceptance of him. Jesus as the sort of word of God, an ambiguous doctrine, a mysterious doctrine, but not a Christian doctrine. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time. Insha'Allah. Thank you for listening to Islam for Christians. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep this show ad-free, you can also visit my Patreon page and subscribe. I'm at patreon.com slash Islam for Christians. That's patreon.com slash Islam for Christians.